Well, good afternoon and welcome to our first live episode of the podcast, Integrate Faith and Innovate. Our focus is looking at the integration of faith and decision sciences as we innovate to navigate business strategy and relationships in this day and age that we are in, especially right now with the coronavirus pandemic and the challenges of COVID-19. My name is Hannah Stoles. I'm the director of the Wheaton Center for Faith and Innovation. And I'm here with my co-host, F.T. Chong, who is a managing partner of Pine Bridge Investments. This is the first episode of our podcast and our topic today is exploring the integration of faith while navigating challenging situations in business. Um, as we go, feel free to ask questions in the Q&A and we will try our best to answer a few audience favorites at the end. So before we get started FT, I'd like to tell our guests a little bit about the Wheaton Center for Faith and Innovation. So CFI is an academic uh, market research center and the purpose of the Center for Faith and Innovation is to develop Christian marketplace leaders through theology and liberal arts research to create innovative solutions for business. We're all about social innovation, which is exploring solutions to systemic social and environmental issues in support of social and economic progress. We're all about conducting useful and meaningful research that can be applied directly to business problems. So we conduct research with faculty and with our innovation scholars who are high-performing undergrad students um, across all the majors at Wheaton College in our innovation lab. So I'm honored to have FT with me as a co-host for the series. And as I said before, FT is Managing Director of the Pine Bridge Investments. And today we have Tim Patton with us as our guest. Tim is CEO of Patton Holdings. And FT, can you tell us a little bit more about FT? Or about, sorry, about Tim. Uh, yeah, thanks, Hannah. This is very exciting. Uh, and we've been kind of rehearsing this a little bit uh, in uh, talking about other topics. So it's, it's good to have Tim as our uh, first guest here. And the reason is he's a very special person. So um, I'm here not in my professional capacity, but as a believer and a parent of a Wheaton student. Um, <clears throat> Tim, so I've, I've run an investment program and over my career, I have probably met with maybe a thousand management teams and CEOs. And Tim stood out um, because the first meeting I had with Tim was an introductory meeting uh, in a restaurant with uh, a banker, investment banker, and, and Tim and a couple of his team. And uh, the banker had warned me uh, in the beginning, he's different, uh, this guy is different. And Tim started out our, our, di our dinner with, let's pray if you don't mind. <laughs> And uh, in my 30-something year career experience, I had never um, experienced meeting someone for the first time in a business setting. Uh, so Tim um, is a healthcare uh, products um, uh, entrepreneur, and he has uh, founded various companies, uh, significantly a company called Healthcare Solutions that uh, grew into a home-based provider of um, respiratory and intravenous uh, therapies that serve like 40,000 customers, eventually became uh, part of Lincare. Um, he is still um, the principal, a, a major shareholder of Jordan Releases, and another healthcare uh, supply company, which is uh, where we met. Um, he, he is active in ministries, a renewal ministries, and international organization of um, evangelize, uh, evangelizing that evangelizes uh, around the world, and significantly uh, the Halftime Institute. Um, so um, we're very happy to have Tim here today because um, 
um, he has a history of living his faith outwardly within the business community. Uh, there is no hiding behind anything uh, with Tim. So welcome, Tim, and thanks for joining us. Thank you so much. It's nice to uh, reunite after a few years have passed, and uh, I still remember that that dinner fondly, and still remember the uh, the call when you called us to say that you were going to pass on the investment. That was a, <laughs> <laughs> that, was a that was a heartbreaker because you were our our favorite uh, suitor at the time, but uh, but that didn't change uh, my respect for you and and your organization and and your your underlying Christian faith. So yeah, so that leads actually very nicely into uh, the conversation, which is um, the things that people can bring as a Christian to the table, right? Um, and uh, part of our initial idea was let's talk about this concept called SQ or spiritual quotient. And we think that there's a three-legged stool that are foundational leadership attributes. So people talk about IQ and EQ, which is emotional intelligence. But more and more you see in the business world, people, even, even uh, Bill Gates was talking about it the other day. So oh, I've started meditating. Um, they feel that that's not enough. Something is missing. That third leg that we call SQ, and we define it this way. Um, you have to, yeah. So we define SQ as a spiritual quotient. Um, a person's ability to articulate and apply uh, and examine spiritual perspective to not just home and family, but work and professional situations. Um, and high SQ, which I think I would say Tim Patton has high SQ, uh, implies being able to incorporate your spiritual priorities and worldview into all aspects of your life authentically. So you're not behaving differently with me the first time you meet me as with other people. Um, so uh, with that, I just want to let's just get on with our conversation. Yeah, so as, as FT and I talked about this, Tim, um, there's a few different things that kind of define what an SQ looks like. So it's spiritual practices as well as how that shows up in your life. So I'm going to just kind of rapid fire, throw a couple of things at you and you can kind of listen, reflect and tell us how you think the spiritual quotient has shown up for you in your business career. So if you think about it, the spiritual practices are fasting regularly, praying regular, um, reading your Bible regularly, helping others with their religious questions and struggles. Um, so think for a minute about how do you seek opportunities to grow spiritually and do you have a sense of responsibility? to others to see their pain and suffering reduced? Uh, do you spend significant portions of time helping others? Do you feel God's presence? Uh, where do you get your meaning for life? And um, do you apply your faith in business and kind of political and social situations? Um, also, it looks at commitment to Jesus Christ and how do you talk to other people about your faith? So I think that's kind of a, a rapid fire of the <laughs> spiritual quotient. But you threw the whole bathtub at you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What resonates um, most with you today as you think about your spiritual quotient and what you bring to work with you? Well, thank you. Yes. Uh, what what strikes me that is a consistent theme is certainly uh, active prayer life is part of my life. I happen to be a practicing Catholic and uh, my wife and I uh, attend not just week weekly mass on Sunday, but we actually attend more times than not, four to five times a week. Um, great news for us is that the office building where I met FT years ago was founded by another great example of someone that, who integrates their faith 
into what they do. And that's the, uh, the founder of Domino's Pizza, who mm-hmm. his name is Tom Monahan. And in addition to the pizza company, you know, he did all kinds of stuff with the Detroit Tigers, won the, won the Major League Baseball Championship, things of that sort. But what he's really known for is that he spent the last 25 years, A, philanthropically giving away all of his fortune, which was at one time a couple billion dollars. Wow. And he has f- formed uh, a Christian law school, a Christian university, and he built a chapel in the office park that I'm at FTM. And that chapel has five daily masses, five. And so you have, you know, a million square feet of people in the building and they have their choice uh, to be able to go as, at any time in the day, starting at eight o'clock and any at five o'clock. So sur- surrounding myself with, with people like that, he frankly has become a good friend. He's 83 years old. I was on the phone with him this morning for a couple hours. But surround yourself with those kinds of people become an inspiration. And, and then we try to build out the management team in the same way. Uh, we're preparing for this call, talked a little bit about, you know, you can't really officially screen people based upon their faith when you're interviewing. But there are subtle ways to get at that and to find out whether that's an important part of someone's life. And, 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 and that becomes a, a criteria that's not written down on a job description, but it's one that we integrate in our workplace. And as a result, the entire senior management team from, from top to bottom are all faithful, practicing Christians of several denominations. Uh, but those are the things that, that we try to do. Uh, furthermore, in the business marketplace, I have gradually gotten more courage as I have grown in both age and in my faith journey to just be more demonstrative about the faith. But as St. Francis said, you know, preach the gospel, but use as few words as possible. So I don't want to be, you know, not to derade the Bible bell, but I don't want to be a Bible thumping, preach it down people's throat. But, but, but by example, I want to lead and have the other leadership people in our, our team uh, influence people by example. For instance, we have a program inside the company where we encourage volunteerism and in, in, uh, church-related activities where we give people time off from work. We also have a matching donor program, donor program where we give a certain amount of money allocated to each employee, and they know that, that their, their contributions personally will be matched at a ratio of $10 from the company for every $1 that they contribute up to, of course, some reasonable cap. And we do that. And then furthermore, you know, we, we break some rules clearly. It's a, it's a private company. We're not uh, incumbent to shareholders uh, outside the, the firm. But, but, you know, I'm probably not the best guy to, to, to always follow the rules, and nor are my partners. And so we, we've got a situation right now that, that probably shouldn't be talking about on a podcast, but I will, which is a, which is a long-term employee uh, who's been loyal, done great things for us, so forth. But she has a, a terminal cancer, and she's not been able to work for quite some time. And so she's blown through the disability coverage, has now expired, the short-term disability. And then once you blow through that, then they, then they 
view you as not an active worker and then they, they cancel your health insurance. So we have found creative ways personally and through the company to support her and make sure that even though she can't contribute anymore, we're going to make sure that she's not in a difficult financial situation or a healthcare insurance situation while she's still on this earth. And we don't brag about that, but it eventually gets around. Some, you know, because the, the HR person that runs HR, they end up finding out because you're doing things that maybe aren't exactly by the book, but, but they know about them. They don't say anything. And then maybe over a lunch conversation, someone mentioned, do you know that the company is still taking care of so-and-so even though they're no longer working? So you, it, it's those subtle things you're working in. Or again, the way that FT and I first met was, as he indicated, uh, you know, and, and I think the reason we're on this podcast today and still have an ongoing respect in, sp- in spite of the fact that he did leave me at the altar uh, uh, with, with the investment it, it is because it was as simple as something about w- w- would you would you object if we were to say prayer before we before we eat and now we integrate that into meetings as well and I've never had anybody say no and and the, and the more you do it the more you feel emboldened to do it again and do it in different situations and it kind of just feeds on itself. Yeah. Let me just uh, respond with one thing. Uh, I would, and I'm sure uh, these types of uh, uh, podcasts will get positive and negative comments. And part of, part of leadership, actually any leadership is uh, we have to deal with criticism and challenges. But I would say, I would, I would strongly recommend that you hire non-believers, Muslims, Hindus, whatever, into your leadership team for diversity's sake. Uh, and uh, because they have a lot to contribute and uh, there's, there's a lot of, we can, we can get from each other that way. Um, <clears throat> one thing I wanted to talk about is grace and gospel humility. What I mean by gospel humility is, you know, we did not deserve to be saved and we were saved by, by grace. Uh, by Jesus. And that is something that we bring as Christians to the table as professionals. So my turning down an investment in your company and your forgiving me (laughs) for leaving you at the altar after several years, it's really an example of grace and gospel humility that we can still interact in a respectful, friendly way in spite of you know having spurned you in a in a sense, right? Um, yeah. So I <laughs> just wanted to bring that up as an example, actually, of um, how Christians can interact in the business world. I tell you, I hesitate to do deals with Christians because exactly the type of situation. What what happens if I have to turn you down, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, it requires some level of maturity on your part, actually. <laughs> Well, thank you for that. Yeah, to accept that. Um, so, I, what what's your next question, Hannah? You- yeah. So, what would you say has been um, the most impactful uh, across all the different organizations that you've worked in and led in, uh, in terms of how you apply and integrate your faith daily, uh, both in personal life, but also in terms of you know how has that impacted the business strategies that you drive? And uh, it sounds like it impacts the people you put around you. But when you think about how do you operationalize that every day when you go into work on Monday? 
Well, I've been always involved in a variety of different projects at the same time. I, I've, I have two of my six children have uh, ADD, and I, I know exactly where they got it from. Uh, <laughs> and so I tend to have my hands in more projects than, than what I should, kind of a jack of all trades and experts of none. But it, particularly to, to your question, uh, I, I chair the board of a, of a social services organization in Michigan called Holy Cross Children's Services that has grown over the years to 40 different operations around the state. And they're providing everything from foster care for children to substance abuse rehab to, uh, you know, various social services, homeless shelters, uh, pregnant women centers, et cetera. And, and in that organization, we have, we have just found that we can make tremendous impact by touching thousands and thousands of people on a monthly basis. And, and as part of it, we're dealing with their, their, their food needs, we're dealing with their housing needs, we're dealing with their mental health needs, and all we do is sprinkle in a little bit about the faith, where they don't feel that it's being jammed down their throat, but, they, but it's impossible for them to leave the situation they're in and, 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 and have, as FT said, have grace or to have appreciation without associating that the people that cared for them and provided for them in difficult times were clearly people who were believers and put that to work in what they do every day. So it's, it's subtle, but it's contagious. Uh, separately in our, our primary business, which FD's referred to in the distribution of respiratory equipment, and then the former business, which was in the home healthcare field, we are touching tens of thousands of, of patients all the time. And at times you're waiving deductibles and co-pays and things of that sort. And, and you're finding people that are in duress and they're used to getting hammered on by bill collectors and credit agencies and things of that sort. And sometimes just what may be very small for us, which is to give them forgiveness for a debt that they may owe you, but do it in a way that this is what Jesus would do. And so why wouldn't we do the same? And, and, and those subtle things are amazing how they evangelize. And it doesn't have to be something that, that is so overbearing that, that it puts a bad taste in people's mouth. It's just trying to associate that when there's good things happening, give the Lord credit because these people that are making these good things happen for me are faithful people. Yeah, I just actually, now that you bring it, I wanted to bring something up. Uh, and you can boast about this. Um, you, uh, your company, Jordan Reese's, is very successful. Uh, being Having a sense of charity and social responsibility, I always feel ESG, uh, environmental social governance issues, can improve profitability. Can you boast a little bit about the financial performance in, in rough, uh, you know, so when you're saying things like we forgive debt and all that, um, it gives a sense of, hey, yeah, maybe they're not making any money, but I think that you can be both charitable and immensely successful. Yes, uh, I don't like to boast, but the um, the business is is uh, is now now grown from an original investment of seven hundred thousand dollars, and and now it has a quarter of a billion dollars in revenue and $50 million in profits. 
And, and, and with that, um, we have uh, a pack. When I, I sold controlling interest a few years back, and I now own 49% because I'm applying 90% of my time to things that are not to do with the, the core for-profit business. But when we put the, the merger together with another smaller firm uh, run by an absolutely wonderful Christian lady named Cheryl, she had not had the same level of financial uh, benefit that I've had through God's graces, but, but she'd been successful and was very talented and very educated and had a great career. But she was inclined at this point in time to be as charitable as possible rather than just retire. She wanted to have kind of a second half, if you will. She may talk about that later in the context of halftime. And she said, why don't we do something where our primary motive is to serve, build, build a financial behemoth, if you will, that can have a primary purpose of serving the less fortunate. So we made a pact between us, and we, we, we each have one copy of the letter signed by both of us that's in a drawer that nobody knows where it's at, nor does the government know where it's at. And, and that provides that, that and it's not really enforceable. It's, it's merely a expression of intent between two parties that are they're putting their businesses together. Because she has control with 51%. I can't change it if she wants to do something different. But we committed that we would give 50% of the annual profits, or I should say free cash flow, so profits after, after you're paying all your other obligations. We would give 50% of that to charities, and then we would particularly emphasize veteran causes because we are supplying veterans with their medical supplies. And, and that has just been a great joy for all of us and our employees. And, and again, they're volunteering, getting paid to volunteer at various, you know, wheelchair veteran events and things of that sort. And, and, and I, we, we have no turnover. I mean, occasionally we make a hiring mistake and somebody's gone within a few weeks because we made a mistake in hiring. But once somebody gets through the initial probation period, they never leave us because we're paying them generously, we're providing good benefits, we're providing growth opportunities for their career, but they also know that they're working in a company that is uniquely focused on serving God, serving fellow man, and, and that is something good to get up and go to work in a place like that. And so what happens is you end up with higher profitability, lower turnover, and higher growth because of the factors that are trickling down from having a faith-based program of integrity that good people want to work there. Yeah, and that, that coincides with uh, Larry Fink, the head of uh, BlackRock, who said uh, in his letter to CEOs around the world last year, that every company must have a purpose. So in your particular case, you do have a, a more of a gospel-centered purpose. But there are many, many non-Christian-owned and public companies that also have good, good, uh, good purpose uh, and value-driven purposes. Certainly. Uh, one, one of the things I do expect, you know, people do come back and, I'll probably get an email saying you're promoting prosperity gospel here. Uh, we're not. Uh, you could be a high spiritual quotient leader. You could run a company based on values, and it could fail. There are lots of businesses owned by uh, wonderful people who do not make it. Um, I'm thinking of a couple of friends who are in business right now that are suffering because of whatever. It got hit as a retail sector hit by COVID. So we're not promoting prosperity gospel here but the, the, the fact that there is a uh, it's not incompatible to be a Christian and to be very successful in your profession 
and to have your faith creep into the way you interact with people. I think that's the point you want to make, right? Yeah. Correct. Yeah, and uh, I, I'm sure you know lots of Christians who have their businesses fail as well, right? Certainly, certainly. Yeah. Um, I have a question for you. How do you feel, how do you deal with uh, criticism as a Christian? Because every leader um, faces a lot, right? Well, maybe, maybe not in your case, but, uh, you know, every time we, we do work, we, do, we face adversity and criticism. And you're not speaking criticism and, and the fact that someone challenging your faith or your faith orientation, just criticism more broadly, right? Yeah, as a leader, as a business person. Right. I, I have to admit, I don't think I've faced a lot of criticism in my life. <laughs> I, I, I've just been very fortunate. We, we have built a culture that is not about backing quarterbacks and, and point guards on a basketball team that are high scores. We, we build it around building teams that function well together and, and that, that support each other in good times and in bad. And, and, and that, that's been really the success part is, is to get kind of a one plus one is three by, the, by getting the synergistic ability of, of good teams that can trust each other. They never worry about somebody biting them in the back. Uh, and and, and they, they feel rewarded for their contributions. And they feed off each other. Mm -hmm. yeah. So um, in light of that, like, man, you've had a lot of, you've seen a lot of successes and financial growth and um, what would you say has been? And, 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 from, and, and certainly I've had my failures. I'm, I'm a lot, uh, I, I'm a much uh, deficient investor compared to FT. And uh, I particularly know that right now. So I, I, I've had plenty of failures that my family could line up for you to tell you about. Yeah, so that was going to be my question. When you think about the challenges you faced, um, and how have you leaned into your faith and your beliefs in navigating the challenges? A lot of our listeners, a lot of people right now are struggling mid-COVID crisis. And what has been your path to navigate through hard times and maybe bad investments and those sorts of things? Right. The, the, the trust in God part is, is that, you know, he has in mind for myself for my family and for my business interests and my and my my collaborators in business there's a plan there and and it it's not always evident at the moment what the plan is and and oftentimes there are setbacks and, and I, I i again i've certainly had my setbacks i've had deals that fell through uh that are very significant uh in in the, in the case of I, i'm not going to refer to ft again but i i've certainly had and investment things that have fallen apart. And what I, what I find is more times than not, particularly with the big things that don't go the way I want them to, that it turns out that you look down the road a, a six months or a year, two years ago, oh, am I glad that fell through? Because mm -hmm. if it hadn't fallen through, we'd be really in tough shape because it was a bad decision or it would have been a bad partner or a bad whatever. And, and so the more that happens to you, it becomes much easier to accept setbacks and when you stumble because you've been reinforced that, you know what, there's another plan here. It's not evident right now, but it will reveal itself in time. And, and that just allows you to kind of shake off the loss or shake off the setback, pick up your, your uh, tools and go to work. 
That's awesome. So we yeah. have about one minute left. So FT and Tim, could you each give us one takeaway, you know, as we go to work tomorrow, what is one thing that we can apply from this conversation immediately uh, as we serve God in our work? Can I go my, back my, to my, yeah, wait, can you go back to the stool and then Tim, why don't you go first? Uh, thank you. Mine would strictly be, don't wait to begin to reach out to others. Even if you're just graduating from your wonderful university and your first job, don't be afraid to bring up your faith in a conversation, not in a preachy way, but in a manner that lets people know where you are and you'll find others will respond in kind and, and it'll, it'll be wonderful for everybody. Yeah. Um, for me, it's uh, for many years, uh, I made the mistake of always looking for the smartest kid. We would go to uh, the business school and hire the smartest guy, the highest IQ, and specifically, maybe even low EQ. So we were looking for the insecure overachiever. <laughs> so I hired a bunch of people. But there was only one leg of the three-legged stool. Specifically, yeah. I didn't think about SQ. I excluded EQ, I was hiring an IQ, and that is blown up in my face many times. So I would yeah. say, as a leader, look for people for all three, with all three things, not just the emotional intelligence and IQ, but someone who has a grounding. What are they grounded on? And um, it's more and more and more business leaders, public company, they talk about it all the time now. Uh, I, I, they use a different spiritual vernacular. Uh, they talk about um, mindfulness and compassion and meditation and um, karma. Uh, but people are looking for this SQ part because that's what's missing. So over the years, I have grown to appreciate you need all three legs of this tool or you're going to be kind of wobbly. So mm -hmm. take away, if you're going to be a leader or even yourself, just develop three legs. It's not going to ensure success, but you're going to be less wobbly. Amen. Amen. Thank you. FT, can you just pray as we close today? Um, and then we'll have one, one last announcement about our, our next podcast. Um, just that we can apply what we've heard about looking for SQ and walking in faith, even um, as things don't work out, but in faith that God's using it for something we'll look back on in the future. Yeah. Um, just one last plug before we go. Uh, someone can do, take the SQ concept and do a PhD uh, thesis. <laughs> <laughs> do some work on it, write a book. <laughs> Give it to Wheaton. Uh, let's pray. Thank you, Father, for, for this time. It's uh, brief. Uh, we, we pray that it will be useful, that it will pierce people's hearts, uh, that we can, we can bring SQ to work. We can bring our Christian faith to work. We have nothing to be ashamed of. Um, and I pray, Father, that uh, we, we will all learn to apply um, our faith into in a non-arrogant but in a uh, compassionate and humble way that we bring gospel humility into our work life knowing that we ourselves did not deserve to be saved uh, but jesus came and died on a cross for us and so we look forward to uh, your blessing of this effort here in this podcast and uh, the work that tim is doing and um the work that the Center for Faith and Innovation is doing at Wheaton. We thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you very much, Tim. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, FT. And tune in next time on Thursday, June 4th at noon central time. We're going to be talking with Kristen Colbert Baker. Uh, she is the global head of talent development at Mars. 
and it's going to be a great conversation about balancing um, work and life. And Tim, thank you again. This was a great conversation today. I'm excited to walk out of this conversation in faith, regardless of what happens next. So thank you both, and we'll talk again soon. Thank, thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.